Acts chapter 20, verse 17. When you have it, say, I've got it. The New King James Version reads like this. It says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and he called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know that from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner that I've lived among you, served with the Lord with humility and with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, and how I kept nothing back that was helpful. But I proclaimed to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks that repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound by the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all of the flock to which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, the shepherds of the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and by the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that with these hands I've provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely. They fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And then they accompanied him to the ship. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge would rest upon us. Help us to see from your glorious truth the very things that you want us to apply to our lives. Lord, as we look at the life of Paul and the legacy that he left, help us to prioritize and, and order our lives in such a way that would be pleasing to you. God, we give you praise for it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated this morning. And we are super glad you're here. Last week, uh, we started a series entitled Legacy. And we started looking at um, what kind of legacy do we want to uh, leave behind when we leave this world. And in a bit of a rather sober way, we talked about how the fact that uh, my grandfather, great-grandfather, uh, was pretty famous for saying this. He didn't coin the phrase, but he was famous for saying this. Uh, there are two things in life that are certain, death and taxes, right? Uh, the Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. Of course, we know that uh, unless Jesus comes first, all of us go by the way of the grave. That's what the Scripture teaches us. Uh, and so what we, what we looked at last week was what kind of legacy do we want to leave 
to the next upcoming generation? What do we want people to remember us by? What do we want to, uh, for people to say about us? And I, I used a bit of a morbid analogy, but it really is true because all of us in this room at one point or another have been touched by death. We've been to a funeral, a memorial service, a graveside where people open up a book and, or, they, or they speak from the heart or maybe they have it scripted out and they read what's called a eulogy, which is the part of the funeral service where moments are taken to cherish and to commemorate the, the life, the accomplishment, the memories of the deceased person. And I, I sort of made a funny joke last week. It was funny to me because I've been in that situation many, many times where I've been in services before, not ones that I've officiated, but ones that I have been in. And I thought to myself, am I in the right place? <laughs> Because <laughs> you know the person they're talking about, not in a judgmental way, but the Bible says every tree is known by its fruits, and we hope everybody gave their life to Christ before they died. But I've heard the most notorious of people be painted as the uh, you know, second cousin to the Apostle Peter. So interesting enough to say, it's a true story, interesting enough to say, I, I, I told you, let us live our life so that the preacher doesn't have to embellish at our funeral. Because all, all of us have this motive to want to see the best in people and want to tell the best side of people. But I want to leave a legacy that's transparent. I want to leave a legacy that is open book for everybody to see. And so last week we began to talk about that a little bit. Now, this week, I want to talk to you about it from a little bit of a different perspective. Last week, we started from the end looking backwards. Uh, starting at the end of your life, what do you want people to say? This week, we're going to talk about what does it mean to walk that out right now where we are. So I've entitled my message today, A Living Witness. Everybody say, A Living Witness. Because in order to first have a legacy, you've got to have a living witness. You got to have a living witness. Now, I know what some people might be thinking, and even some have said to me, they, they said, well, I understand the sentiment, but I really just don't care what people think about me. I just don't care. I could just give a rip what people think about me. Well, the truth is, that's a two-sided coin, and here's what I want you to know about that. Not caring what people think about us is a good thing when it comes down to obeying God, stepping out in faith, reaching the lost, and of that nature. That's a good thing. But it is not okay as it relates to our character, our walk, and our witness before the world. Why? You say, Pastor, it's not about my reputation. Jesus made himself of no reputation. That's what the scripture said. You are absolutely right. But here's what Jesus said. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus' life was a perfect representation of displaying the character of God to those who were around him. You say, well, pastor, I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. But don't let that stop you from trying to live your best in front of people so that they might see your good works that glorify your Father and hopefully have some sense that they want to follow in your footsteps. Here's the truth of the matter. You're the only Bible that some people will ever read. Some people may never step foot inside of the church building, but if they can see Christ through your life, it may be one step further for them knowing who Jesus possibly is in their life. It's not about your reputation. Here's something I asked them to put on the screen this morning. You can write this down. It's not about your, rep, your, uh, it's not about your reputation 
as much as it's about your representation. Let me read that one more time. It's not about your reputation as much as it's about your representation. Okay? Everybody say, who we represent is Jesus. Listen, and how we represent him in front of the world matters. I never want somebody to look at my life and say, I don't want to serve Jesus because of him. Now, somebody asked Gandhi, who was a world leader, um, because he was so close to following Christ, and they asked Gandhi, how come uh, uh, he would never uh, follow, or how come he had never convert to Christianity? And he said something along these lines, well, if I ever found a disciple who truly lived like him, maybe I would think about it. In other words, Gandhi's perspective of seeing people out in the world was people talked about Christ, they talked about God, they talked about the Scripture, but their walk didn't match up with their talk. And I want to tell you something, talk is very cheap. We have to talk, we have to share the gospel, we have to do those things, but how we live is also important in front of the world around us. It is not our reputation as much as it is our representation that matters the most. We represent Christ, and the faith that we live out in front of others is creating our legacy. Let me, let me just tell you an example. Blondie and I were youth pastors for years, years and years and years, seven years. We were the only youth pastors in the little town we were in of 1,200 people. The Methodist church, the Baptist church, they didn't have a youth pastor or a youth group. And we were the only church in town that had a gymnasium. And so it was a pretty cool season of life. We were like youth pastors of the whole community. We had all of the kids that were coming from different churches and playing basketball and different things of that nature. And in that season, um, it was pretty awesome because we went to all of these different games. And we had students playing in this and that and the other. And in our little small town that we lived in, it was a small town. I mean, it was a one-horse town. The horse only had three legs. We had a gas station that sold fried chicken, but uh, they didn't change their grease but about like once a year. Come on, somebody. And uh, at the time we were living there, they didn't even have a dollar store. They've since upgraded. Now they have a dollar store. They're uptown now. The only industry in that little bitty town was uh, the paper mill, which every year it was, on, it was threatened to be closed, and the school district, and everybody else had to work outside of the town. It was a little bitty small town. Well, uh, God bless his heart, our pastor was very vocal at the football games. And I don't mean in a good way. Have you ever met that person who yelled and screamed at the refs? And we, we actually kind of laugh about this now. He and I are friends. He wouldn't mind me telling this story. But, uh, you know, people are like, whoo, that's the pastor. Whoo, come on, somebody. He's the pastor aware. You heard people begin to talk back and forth. And so Blondie and I have talked about that. We talk about it with our teenagers because after a game, right, we would be rolling up in our church van. And the church van would have our church name on the side of it. Then many of them had our youth group t-shirt on, which had our youth group shirt on. And then, of course, each one of them are uh, representatives of their own parents. Amen? Come on, parents. Let me hear you. How many of you ever told your children before you went in somewhere or before you had dinner with somebody? Now, listen, I'm going to tell you before we go in here, don't you embarrass me. Come on. Anybody? Anybody? Come on. Don't lie in the house of God. Come on. Anybody have that conversation other than if you embarrass me, I'm going to whoop your behind. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo. Y'all thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? Listen, we've all had that conversation. Why? 
Because here's what we would tell them. If you go in here and you're rude to the waitress, if you go in here and you're jacking around, you're cutting in line, if you go in the bathroom and you, you make it a mess, if you do all of those things, here's what you need to understand. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ. You represent our church because our, 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 our bus is got our name plastered all over the side of it. So don't be hanging out the windows and, and doing sign language to people. You know what I'm saying because not everybody in the youth group is always sanctified. Amen. So don't be doing anything like that. The driver don't need to be cutting people off because you know what they're going to say? Oh, that's, they go to the Assembly of God church right there. And I said, then you represent our youth group. So don't cast a bad light on us. And then we said, even more importantly than Jesus, or after Jesus, rather, here's Jesus, and then the next one, you represent your family. And the Bible says that a child left alone brings his parent to an open shame. And so you, you want to make sure that you're living the best representation of Jesus out there in the world in front of everybody. So we told him, you know, hey, look, you've got to make sure that you understand that you are living life that others are seeing. Hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? And for a lot of people, that's very difficult to realize that living life the way Christ wanted us to live is something that Scripture not only tells us to do, but challenges us to do. One of the Scriptures that I came across the other day, it was very awesome. Uh, you know, I've read it uh, so many, many times, but Paul was writing. He said, I write these things so that you might know how to behave yourself in the house of God. Amen. And, and there's a way that God wants us to act in front of people. And that shouldn't be acting as far as putting on a show. No, we're not about that at all. To put on a show in front of people and to not live that life behind closed doors is called a hypocrite. That's what that is. And nobody likes a hypocrite. Nobody likes that. The word hypocrite comes from uh, ancient culture when uh, a play would have a shortage of actors, and so one person would have to play two parts. And they would go behind the curtain and quickly switch roles, and they would have to, uh, you know, um, play both parts. And so it was talking about playing the role of a hypocrite, a two-faced or double-masked. And so we're not, when we talk about acting right in front of people, we're not saying to put on a show in front of people. We're saying to live out the Christian life in front of people so that it is a good representation of Jesus Christ. Now, this morning, as we're looking at a living witness, I begin to pray about, God, okay, what do you want me to share? What direction would you like me to go with this? And the Holy Spirit led me to the Apostle Paul, who had a tremendous legacy. I mean, that guy, his resume was so pristine, right? I mean, Paul, when he started talking about all that he'd done, he was a Pharisee among Pharisees, circumcised on the eighth day. I mean, he was a Jew of Jews. He served under Gamaliel. He was a high-ranking Pharisee. Uh, Paul, you name it, you name it, he did it. And Paul then meets Christ he throws all his accolades to the floor. He said, I count my life as worthless. It's all rubbish except for the knowledge of knowing Christ and him crucified, the fellowship of his suffering, the power of his resurrection. And, and then what we see is that the Apostle Paul, when he gets to the end of his life, here's what he says. He says, I'm all ready to be poured out as a drink offering. My time has come. My departure is at hand. Here's what Paul was saying. I've come to the end of my life, and I have left nothing on the table. 
Everything God has predestined for me to do, every call, every assignment, every word, everything that the Lord Jesus had called for me to do, I left this life empty, not another drop to give. I am poured out as a drink offering before the Lord. And do you know that's how we should all live our lives? We should live our lives with such purpose, with such intentionality, that as we're approaching the end of our life, we shouldn't be on our deathbed with regrets, saying, I wished I would have done this. I wished I, I would have done that. I, I know God spoke to me when I was a kid, and I was supposed to do this, and I wish I would have. Listen, shoulda, coulda, uh, all those things are just fantasies. You can't go back and unchange time. But what we can do from this day forward is to live with such a purpose that when we get to the end of our lives, Hopefully, we can be like Paul and say, Lord, I'm empty. I've given it all away. And that's exactly what Paul modeled for us in these verses. Now, I'm not going to go back and read all of this again like I normally would. But if you have a notepad or if you're taking notes, you can write a one through five on your paper. And, or if you can follow along with these notes on the app this morning. But I want to give you five things that Paul lived out in front of them that were creating his legacy in action. Are you ready for this? First of all, number one, Paul modeled integrity. He modeled integrity. In verse 17 uh, through verse 19, Paul begins to tell them that he said, You know that from the first day that I've came to Asia, the manner that I've always lived among you, serving the Lord with humility, with tears and trials, and those things that have happened to me because of the plotting of the Jews. Paul lived and modeled integrity in his life. What does that look like for you and I? To model the life of integrity. The word integrity, it, it comes from the word integer. And it, uh, for those of you who love math, you would get this. It, it's a whole number. Nothing is broken from this. Nothing is missing. So to maintain your integrity, that, that is that you're um, a truthful person. You, you, you tell the truth. You are faithful. Uh, if you say you're going to be there at a certain time, you're there at a certain time. If you say you're going to do something, you're going to do something. And Paul said, you know that I've modeled my life in front of you. That from the moment that I've been here, I have walked faithful and upright in front of you. Church, I don't know about you. But when I die, I want people to legitimately be able to say about me, he was a man of integrity. You ought to want people to be able to say about you, she was a woman of integrity. He was a man of integrity. He kept his word. She was faithful. Whatever they said they would do, they would do it. And their life was an open book. Their life was an open book. It's important for us to realize this. Here's the second thing Paul modeled in front of him. We're going to go quickly through these. The second thing that Paul modeled was he modeled stability. Paul modeled stability. Verse 20 through 21, um, Paul said, he said, How I've kept back nothing from you that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul modeled stability. What does it mean to be stable? It means to be steadfast. Staying on the right track. Not wobbly. Not here one moment, gone the next. But Paul lived a life of stability 
among those that he was trying to reach. And I think that stability is a characteristic that all of us should endeavor to try to live in our life. Now, as relating to Paul, here's what he said. He said, I have held back nothing from you. When Paul, when you sat up to the table to learn from the Apostle Paul, you, it, it wasn't like you were going to go day to day to day not knowing what you were going to get from him. Today it's great quality. Tomorrow it's subpar. Paul wasn't slacking on his assignment, but throughout his life, his faithfulness to teach the Word of God, to preach the Word of God in the middle of unideal circumstances were so awesome. But Paul modeled this track of stability in his life. I have a question for each and every one of us in our life. If we were to pass away and somebody were to read our legacy, what would they say about us? Would they say that they were a stable person? Or would they say, well, you know, they were kind of wishy-washy. They weren't all the way in and they weren't all the way out. But I want people to be able to look at my life and be able to say, you know what? They were all in. They were stable, they stayed the track, and they maintained the call and character of Christ that he had upon their life. I think it's vitally important. Here's the third one. Paul not only modeled stability, but number three, he modeled boldness. Look at verse number 24, uh, 22 through 24 right here. Paul said, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation await me. But notice, look at verse number 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul modeled boldness. Now, I can stay, stay right here for a very a good long while because this right here is absolutely amazing. I want you to think about this. Paul, this great apostle, this missionary whom God has called to traverse the known and unknown world at this time to establish the footprint of the gospel around the world, literally in places where the name of Christ had never been mentioned before. He said, you know what? He said, I have, to, he, he, I have to leave. This is his purpose of this meeting with these elders. He's calling them together. He's saying, I've got to go. I've spent time with you here in Asia and in, in Ephesus. I've been able to build and I've been able to grow. He said, but now you've got to understand that I've got to depart from this place. And I, I'm willing to do what's necessary. Paul was bold. Everybody say bold. Here's what he said. He said, I don't know what lies ahead of me except the fact that the Holy Spirit has told me that chains and tribulation await me. But then Paul says this. He says, but none of those things move me. For I have not counted my life as unto myself. And he said, but to finish the ministry that Christ has committed unto me, that I might demonstrate the gospel of grace in my life. Man, when I see Paul's life and I see Paul's character, uh, it speaks to me in great, in, in just, just great volume. Why? Because Paul said no matter what it takes, no matter what it costs, even if it costs me my comfort, even if it costs me my life, even if it costs me the, the pain and suffering that comes with following Christ, I am willing to do it. 
Now, folks, we've got to ask ourselves a question. If we were in the same shoes as the Apostle Paul, would we be willing to take the step of faith? I want you to think about it for a moment. We talked about this a little bit in our class this morning. When the Assemblies of God first missionaries were first called out of Azusa Street, the power of the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them. And many of them, as, as a sign of their calling, received uh, uh, the tongue of the people they were supposed to go to. These people, without budget, without itinerary, they didn't have to have so much in the bank. They bought a casket, oftentimes a wooden one. They packed it with their belongings, put it on a ship, kissed the world goodbye because they had no expectation of returning to the place that they had departed from. They were dead men walking. That's, I'm gonna talk, I don't want to get ahead of myself and talk about what I'm preaching on next week, our legacy of faith. But that's what happened is they, they, they left and they departed and they began to go. But you know, so many people today, they won't go until they know. Let me just be real with you for a minute. They won't go until they know. What's my budget? Do I have enough people? Do I have this? Do I have that? I can tell you story after story, again, not to get ahead of myself, but of people. God had called John G. Lake. God called him to go to South Africa. He didn't have a penny in his pocket. He got to the, uh, the port where he was supposed to get on the ship. He was in line. He didn't know how he was going to buy his ticket. And the person in front of him turned around and said, are you John G. Lake? They said, he said, yes, I am. He said, I'm supposed to give you this. It was his bus fare. Or his, his, his boat fare. That was in a day of no Facebook, no Instagram, no texting. Come on, somebody. That was the power of the Holy Spirit. But, but Paul was bold. He was willing to go where it was going to be painful. I've often said, how many of us would sign up for things in life if we knew the pain and suffering on the other side of it? And I'll be the first to tell you this morning, I have suffered no amount of pain in comparison to Paul or Peter or any of the other apostles. Why? Because I've not yet suffered unto death. But, but I've been willing to at times. There have been some times overseas I've been extremely close. But uh, Paul, uh, dealing with this, he said, you know what? Not only do I not know, but the Holy Spirit has given me a word of prophecy. Now, we have a bit of a problem because 1 Corinthians tells us that prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And that doesn't sound edifying, exhorting, or comforting to me at all. But Paul's going on a word from the Lord. And the Lord told him, to the Holy Spirit, which is God, right? We believe the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit, which is God, told him that when you go, here is what's going to happen. And Paul said, and you know what? I'm willing to lay it all, all my dominoes. I'm throwing them on the table. My cards, my hand, I'm throwing it on the table. I'm willing to throw it all in to be able to follow Christ. He modeled boldness. Can you imagine the people Paul was mentoring, the people Paul was discipling are looking at him like, I want to be like that when I grow up. He modeled boldness. Here's the fourth thing. Paul modeled faithfulness. I want to read this whole passage, but verse 25 through verse 31, Paul begins to talk about his role. Paul was not a pastor. He was an apostle, but part of an apostle's job is to plant, grow, and to, and to strengthen churches, and that's what he did, and he would raise it up, turn it over, and go to the next place. And Paul said, when I was here, he said, uh, I was faithful to, to teach the Word of God to you, and um, even though it was not in pristine circumstances, and, and um, Paul said, you know what, I, I don't want to leave my work unfinished. 
Can I just give you a, 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 a insert right here? Here's the difference between a job and a calling. If a pastor ever ups and leaves a church high and dry with no plan or anything like that, he ain't a pastor. I was always taught you leave things better than you found them. And Paul said, listen, I'm getting ready to leave. I've established some elders here. So I'm going to leave some order. But you've got to understand, I'm getting ready to back away. I've been the oversight. Here's what's going to happen, guys. I'm warning you so you can get your gun ready. I'm not talking about a a 20 gauge, your spiritual gun. He said, from among the church, the people that are in here, the wheat and the tares, the saints and the ain'ts, there's going to come from among you ravenous wolves who are going to seek to to destroy the flock and to pull away disciples from themselves. But Paul said, I've warned you, and I've given you the tools you need to deal with this. He modeled faithfulness in his ministry, making sure that when he left, he didn't leave a mess. Come on, somebody. I've seen too many people leave messes in ministry. I've cleaned up quite a few of them. He modeled faithfulness. He was faithful to warn those not following Christ, Or of the danger of rejecting the truth. And here's the fifth one. Paul modeled generosity. He modeled generosity. I love what he says right here. Verse 32 through verse 35. Darren, I'm getting ready to close. And we're going to baptize some people this morning. So don't leave. Amen. It's going to be good. Hallelujah. So notice this. So now then, brethren, I commend you. Paul said, I commend you. I give you over to God. And the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to what? Give you an inheritance. We're talking about legacy. Paul said, I'm giving you something. That by modeling the gospel in front of you, I'm giving you an inheritance, a legacy. And I love this. He said, "Um, I have uh, coveted no one silver, gold, or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that, the, that you must support the weak. And remember the, the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Let me tell you, Paul changed his stance on this a little bit. You see this in the Gospels, but, or not in the Gospels, but in the Epistles. Uh, Paul was a missionary. A number one rule for a missionary uh, that, they, that they teach, the Assemblies of God model this as well, is that you, you don't, when you're going into a new place and you're reaching people, right, who've never heard before, you're establishing new work, number one, those people are, are weak, so you're going there to strengthen them, but also it takes resources to be able to do what it is you've, called to, you've been called to do. And so um, Paul, he was a single man at the time. We know that. Scripture tells us that. And so he, he had some trade that he did to help fund his ministry, and he did that. But later on, what we see is Paul dealt with the church at Corinth and different ones about partnering churches, partnering with him in giving and receiving so that he could go and take the gospel to those who hadn't heard it. And Paul said, you've seen me do this. Here's number five in this living legacy that Paul lived out. Number five, he modeled generosity. When you die, do you want people to say they're gen- they were generous? Or do, you want, or do you want people to say, man, they were stingy? I want people to say I was generous. Not just with my time, not just with my talent, 
but with my treasure. Paul said, you, you saw that even those who came with me, who helped me, who supported me, I made sure they were taken care of. I blessed them. I was faithful to them. And I did everything it was that you called me to do. And then I want you to notice this as, as I close, the impact, the impact that Paul had on them. You can stand with me this morning. Baptismal candidates, you can be dismissed to go get ready. I want you to notice the impact that Paul had upon these people. The result of this is found in the, in the following verses. Verse 36, and when they had, he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And then they, were, they all wept freely. They fell on Paul's neck and they kissed him because they knew that they would see his face no more. And they followed him to the ship. You know, I've always been told when you leave, you want people to leave missing you and not, not picketing you on the way out. Amen. And Paul lived such a life in front of them that his legacy was one that he impacted them in the moment. And that's what it means to live a living legacy. Because Scripture is full of encouragement and examples for you and I. We look to Hebrews, the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Rahab. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Moses. By faith, Sarah. Uh, by faith, you know, it talks about all these different people in the Scripture. What, what are we looking at? We're looking at their legacy. It doesn't mean their life was perfect. It doesn't mean it was spotless. It doesn't mean there was never a mess up. But they, they finished, and they finished faithfully, and, and they left a legacy for us to follow. And here's what I want to tell each and every one of us today. Whether you know it or not, you're leaving a legacy. You say, I'm not a leader, Pastor Brad. Yes, you are. You're either leading people to Christ or you're leading people away from him. There's no middle ground. There's no neutral in this thing. It, it's either all in or all out, folks. And here's what I'm telling you. Even if you've blown it up until this point, I don't care your testimony. It's important, but I don't care what you did. Listen, you can't change yesterday. That's already been written. But what you can do is you can change from here on out. And you can say, you know what? I'm going to be a better Christian. I'm going to be a better employer. I'm going to be a better employee. I'm going to be a better mom, a dad. I'm going to live like Jesus wants me to live in front of people so that my life is a testimony to the lost, not a stumbling block. Come on, somebody. Not a stumbling block. Because as a Christian, my life is to share my faith with others. One of the greatest principles that you and I can learn as believers is what does it mean to operate in love and liberty? Paul wrote to the believers at Roman, in Romans, and he was talking about how in culture, right, there were some cultures that people would be in where, for instance, like in Athens, talked about this Wednesday night. In Athens, when you went to the meat market and you bought, you know, some cow or some fish or something, it is not just possible, it was extremely probable that that meat was sacrificed to an idol. And Paul was saying, 
Everything's good cleansed by the word of God in prayer. Everything is good. When you bless it in the name of Jesus, it's okay to eat. But Paul said, for the sake of your weaker brothers, if you know that it's causing them to stumble, you have to take the higher road and say, I'm not going to eat that in front of them because that'll make them think less of me or it'll cause them to fall into sin themselves. You say, Pastor, I don't like that. Well, you know what? That's part of Christian discipleship. People ask me all the time, is this a sin? Is that a sin? The question is not always, is this a sin or is that a sin? The question can be, is this beneficial or is it not beneficial? Because there's a lot of things that may not be illegal and may not even be immoral, but you still shouldn't do them. And that's not for me to tell you. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells you those things. But the fact is, is that we ought to be meaningful and mindful that we are creating legacy every single day. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes.